Hello and welcome to The Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by a virtual team. I'm Chris and I'm part of the team here at Flash Hub. On today's episode, we have Astrid Schrader. Astrid is an entrepreneur, personal growth strategist, and team coach. Manuel, Daniel, and Astrid had an awesome conversation about company culture and leadership. So here is episode 12 of The Virtual Frontier featuring our guest, Astrid Schrader. Astrid, as you are our guest today, you might want to go ahead first and give us a short overview about yourself from where you're coming and where you might heading in the future. Take it over. Cool. Yeah. Hi. Uh, um, thanks for having me. I'm Astrid. Uh, I'm German, uh, as German as a guest, and I'm running an organization called The Arc, which is an international training slash coaching network. And international retreats, boot camps, but also coachings across Europe. So yeah, we are an entirely remote teams of uh, 10 to 20 freelancers um, and also working in the area where we're dealing with very personal stories with a lot of emotions. So remote work has always been um, yeah, quite an interesting topic for us. Uh, that's one company. And I'm also having a second company where we um, consult social organizations on their financial transactions. Two very fairly different lives. Um, and I guess that's it about me for now. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Manuel. Yeah, then uh, let me shortly introduce myself. My name is Manuel. I'm founder and CEO of Bright Solutions, a former digital agency. And I'm also founder of Flash Hub, virtual teams as a service. And I met um, Astrid at a TEDx conference and we were talking about Yay. culture <laughs> in remote teams and many, many different things from the human factor of a team to the DNA of a team, of a local team, of a virtual team. And um, yeah, Astrid, so the first <laughs> question that I have for you is, what is generally required to build a high performance team in general, mm. not only related to virtual teams? Mm. Um, I will answer um, for my industry, I guess, because <laughs> uh, um, well, before I founded this company, I've worked like 10 years or something in management consulting. And I really feel that per industry, what makes a performing team is quite different. But when you are in the people business, as I, I would call the industry I'm in, I love the statement and saying we measure the quality of teams, the amount of truth being told. So um, I, the classical situation I have in mind is when two team members meet and one says, look, what you produced was, I don't know, maybe not the best thing. The other person just says, thank you. And I love this metaphor because um, this is what it means to, me to have this high-performing team. It's where mistakes are not a bad thing. Like they're not a good thing, but uh, you don't have all the politics in your way. Um, you can just talk about what matters. Um, and there's a trust for you to walk up to your colleague saying, um, here, I've made a mistake here. How do we solve this? It's, it's really, uh, and of course you have all these other things like, yeah, you have to have really smart people. You have to have, I don't know, functioning IT. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I feel that the very best teams are really differentiating through their radical sincerity, their radical honesty. Mm -hmm. And beside this um, honesty and um, transparency, I mean, this is more the culture of the team. Mm -hmm. yeah. But what about measuring outcomes like um, OKRs mm -hmm. or APIs because they really determine the real performance, the output of yeah. everything that the team does? 
How do you see these? Yeah. Things? Yeah. I wonder if I can give you any cool OKRs that are more interesting, profitability, productivity, customer ratings, uh, I don't know, <laughs> quality defects. Um, again, if I would answer from my, uh, we, we, well, we have, we have um, impact measurement, uh, well, indicators, so to say. We, we don't call them orchids, we call them impact measurement indicators. And I mean, I'm in the coaching business. So one um, goal indicator that we use is the percentage of coaching objectives reached. Yeah. And we also have like a one year evaluation, for instance, where we ask, okay, as a result of our coach, have you um, changed your life in a way that it has become an inspiration for yourself and to others? And I should probably add in brackets that this is really what our organization stands for. We are, um, our mission is really to coach people to a level where their impact inspires themselves and others. And hey, that's a big goal. But yeah, I am, uh, we're pretty proud of our, our uh, results right now. I think the, um, um, uh, the one-year evaluation is up to 90 to 100%. So literally 90 to 100% say that as a result of our project, our coaching, our events, they have pulled in their life, uh, pulled off something in their life, which is an inspiration to themselves and others. And um, yeah, also the number of coaching objectives being reached, we are between 80 and 100%. So I mean... We're excited about it. Uh, I'm not sure it's it's a good KPI for everybody, but it works for us. Mm -hmm. Okay. And do you think there is a difference between a local team or a virtual team? What do they mm -hmm. have in common and what's the difference and how to deal with these differences to make yeah. both a high-performance team? Yeah. So that's such an interesting question. Um, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> like... I ask, I say this because we're both local and remote. So in our events, um, the entire team is going to be on site, but the rest of the year we are remote. And uh, some people do many events, other people do just fewer events. So it's really quite an exotic mix, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> and what I feel, um, we have to, so so as we organize these boot camps, which are these crazy, crazy intense coaching events, um, and um, so one of the challenges we are facing is that once we have the team on site, we literally have between one and three days to turn into a team that can lead people through very intense personal processes. And um, yeah, the way we do this is we have, well, we have a couple of values that we really, really stand for. And I think, uh, I mean, radical sincerity, as you can imagine, one of them. Uh, another one is cut the bit and and don't waste people's time, <laughs> and that's and and I think um, that's what we really try to do. So um, to give a bit more context, uh, one of the things um, we are we are doing is we are applying those values. So when we say um, cut the bullshit and and be radically sincere, um, one one question we take very seriously, and that's for instance the question: How are you? Yeah, so in the, you'll find a massive amount of time being dedicated to check-ins on our meetings. To, um, yeah, really asking people, okay, what's moving you? What's in you? What's triggering you these days? Um, yeah, because that's uh, when you're in the people business, a massive element of our work, right? If, if you are, let's say, going through, I don't know, a separation in your love life, for instance, and you're trying to coach someone on how to get over a separation, like you are going to massively influence by what's happening in your life right now. And mm -hmm. the level of honesty at which you're facing 
your own truth will be um, completely influencing the level at which you can coach someone else. So um, now this is just for us. And if I was to generalize this for, for more teams, mm-hmm. I guess the biggest learning I've had from you know leading teams, I don't know, online, offline, but also different industries is um, you attract people, the kind of people um, that will fit the culture that you have already implemented in your organization. So I like to say, if you want people who have great impact, be an organization or be the leader or be the kind of team leader who has great results, who has a great impact. You know, if you want to uh, have people who are super upbeat, who are like the craziest party guys, like, I don't know, maybe sales teams are really like a cool place for this. Um, be that party guy, you know, and if you want a crazy programmer, you know, like I either be that crazy programmer yourself or, and I know it's not really a thing in a lot of startups that the team leaders are the best programmers, um, create an environment where great programmers thrive. So um, I think this is really the, the overall learning that I, I have deduced for, from working both online and offline. And I know I've talked about offline space, but if you were to translate that to the online space, I think this principle still is true, you know? So um, also when we work online, it's not, not just, you know, it, just because our people are, are, are remote doesn't mean that... Um, we don't have the same level of sharing. We don't have the same um, intensity at which we will ask people, um, so what are the topics that are on your mind right now? What kind of coach do you want to be on this event? Um, how do you want to contribute? Uh, yeah, I, I hope yeah, I, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. I um I remember you said that you in your in your camps mm-hmm. that you try to put people into a very personal, intense experience. Yeah. Can you give an example of what that means? Yes. So just to give some context, um, as said before, like what we, what our mission is, is to really, yeah, lift people up to a level that they can inspire themselves and others. For most people that we work with, this means that they pull off something incredible in their work life. So we work with a lot of super talented millennials who have the situation that oh, they're talented, they're growing, they're, they're theoretically capable of growing fast, but they've kind of hit this hidden end in current career or job or position. So um, a lot of times people like work in a big corporation and they want to, uh, I don't know, maybe their own company, maybe they just want to also just discover their own niche within their organization that's really theirs. Or maybe they don't even know exactly what inspiring thing it is they're supposed to be pulling off and just want to start getting some some passion project off the ground. But no matter what it is, what we the way we work is, how do you coach someone to be inspiring? We say, okay, so you've got your comfort zone and you leave your comfort zone because you trust your dream more than you trust your fear. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, in 2012, thought, why don't we make an event around that? <laughs> you know, why don't we finally make one of the training events that actually work? And, and uh, when you talk about these intense processes, this is what we're exploring with people. So the first thing we are asking is, okay, what are the situations that make you sweat? 
that make you go autopilot that are so scary for you that you don't even put yourself into it. So the classic is like, you are a starting entrepreneur, but you despise pitching. <laughs> you are freaking scared of pitching your company to anyone. So guess what's going to happen? You're going to stay small and moneyless. <laughs> so that's the first step. The second is around um, if you were not to blame yourself for the things that make you happy, what would be the one dream, that one vision that you would stand up for that is worth fighting for? That is so comes so deeply from you that you, yeah, everything. Um, I like to say that Martin Luther King speech that you yourself would give. And it's, it's a topic for people that oftentimes is even harder. Um, uh, we, we are skilled in our society, I believe, to talk about where we suck, where our fears are. But we're really struggling to say yes to our passions, to our dreams. Yeah, somewhat for people that that's oftentimes an even harder. So interestingly, talking about what you want and, 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 and getting ready for taking that, you know, <laughs> going to that, like that big life buffet and saying, you know what, I'm going to freaking go for this is for many people an even scarier process. And then of course, the third part, we'll talk about, okay, what number one obstacle in your way? Like seriously, like, and I'm not talking about you know, that little bit of self-doubt that you maybe have, but like the deep fears, potentially even the traumas that are locked in you that hold you back, you know, big, like a big one, or also I'm going to say this, you know, like a lot of women in my age is like the, I am not good enough <laughs> or the, I don't know, like, like all the, all the, what, the number one big belief that really messes with you, that, that stops you from, from going for, for what you want and be courageous. Um, that is sort of the third big area where where people are having yeah a lot of intense moments uh, of admitting to oneself that certain are in you so mm -hmm. i hope that answered i don't know if that answered yeah, your question it does, it does. i'm just wondering um do that kind of coaching um, mostly yeah. for founders or uh -huh. managers so people that have um a high amount of responsibility and face yeah. many challenges every day. So they need to develop their personality. Would you recommend to do or to give this kind of experience to any kind of employee in a team? Uh, it's an interesting question. We do that. So there are some organizations that hire us to do uh, some processes with their employees. Um, mm -hmm. Is it always necessary to do it for every single employee i'm not <laughs> but if you want to have a purpose-driven organization where people take their destiny in their hand and take over responsibility for their own growth such processes are honestly gold like people really learn what it means find what they want and to assemble the courage to go and get it so I think for a lot of startups, this is awesome. For every company, like every corporation, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure all companies want that. Uh, and, and there is also a purpose and, and a space for organizations that give primarily safety to their employees and where you don't have to you know always fulfill your dreams and your destiny and I don't know what, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think uh, there, there's really a space for both. But hey, I mean, I would not be running this company if I had a big passion and a big belief into uh, people taking charge of their own professional development.
Mm. <laughs> I'm just wondering how this uh, will look like in very classical, mostly <laughs> hierarchical <laughs> organizations where people yeah, are yeah. even talking to each other with a formal you in German, the C, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and this you know experience what? gets very personal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite interesting. Um, I've just two weeks ago run a one-day workshop at one of those organizations where um, we, we had the senior management. Um, admittedly, it wasn't a marketing space. It wasn't like something completely techie or engineers, but those people who really grew up in a hierarchical formal setting um and what i felt and this was such a big learning for me um if the person if if you i mean as a facilitator right but if you as a team leader or as a facilitator believe and really live by these processes i was just both shocked surprised how openly people would follow and i think so just some examples, you know, we, we sometimes we do crazy exercise. Well, let's say exercises that are crazy in such environments from, you know, eye gazing to talking about really, really personal topics and, and talking about your personal fears, talking about what messes with you, what fucks you up, what, what keeps you awake at night. These were things that they had never really shared before. Um, and it was incredible how after like, honestly, 45 minutes into the training, the seminar, people would just completely open up about their, about their depression, about their family, about deaths in their, in their surroundings, about, um, yeah, how, how they're scared of being, being homosexual. So really, really personal stories. Um, and also for me, this was actually a new thing. I was a bit timid, to be honest. Um, I wasn't sure they would just follow, but what I'm learning more and more is that people have this very deep need to connect. And if you give them a space where they are allowed to do that and not feel embarrassed, like, these days, I'm having great experiences with with experimenting with that. Um, but yeah, uh, you have. I think we have to overcome our own hesitation to uh, put people in such scary places. <laughs> yeah, that's also my experience. I mean, if uh, the best projects that I ever had were those where we got personal in the team, not Isn't only it? in internal yeah. project team but also with the customers yeah, on right. the other side i face customers if i try to talk to them personally in german mm -hmm. the, <laughs> they are like oh no no no, this is a professional <laughs> environment i will not talk uh yeah this personal um yeah. relationship with you yeah. so yeah. some yeah. people they fear fear yeah. that and i'm wondering if ah. you, you were talking about events like boot camps mm -hmm. or you have a coaching mm -hmm. Are there specific habits that a team can develop to foster these personal experiences? Yeah. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to react to things. First of all, that you, when you meet people who are just, as you say, probably quite, quite I don't want to say correctly, because obviously I don't know it for everybody. Um, people be careful to be truly themselves in such conversations. Um, I have this big value, like never coach without scent. <laughs> and I think um, people being fearful tells you something about how safe they feel. And if they don't feel safe, talking about personal things will not make the whole conversation more safe, but it will make it less safe. 
And this is going to be, you know, pushing people, even like extreme case that will push people into panic zone. And that's not where growth happens. You know, growth happens at the <clears throat> edge of the comfort zone, right? But not in panic zone. So that's really the first thing. And um, so when you talk about um, teams um, and, and, and fostering such, let's say, cheesy word rituals <laughs> or such attitudes within teams, I think um, what, what on an abstract level, what needs to happen is that the team you know, step by step learns to bear honesty and sincerity. And um, yeah, I think like rituals really are like asking, like we have check-ins and at every single telephone conference, we have like a check-in and the check-in goes, okay, three minutes or one minute or even just one word, how are you? Yeah. And um, we ask this because these emotions are going to be in the room anyways. You know, if someone has just, I don't know, had a parking ticket, that person is not going to be in the best mood. It's going to influence the meeting, whether you want it or not. And um, so that's one part, but also how to foster such things and how to help people to actually be authentic in this is the person who is leading the meeting, if that person takes the answers seriously, um, we might be surprised about that person's power to actually set the culture. So, um, yeah, asking for you and, and, and really like taking it serious. Like I remember at some point I really learned from one of my colleagues, uh, called Arna and we were in a team meeting and it, I was honest, I was leading the meeting and I was stressed like hell. I just wanted to get the results done and I just wanted to have it work. And I remember Arna just interrupted the whole thing saying, you know what guys, I think the app now was just terrible. So let's just have like a check-in and see what's, what's going on in the room because everyone's just like so annoyed and negative. And I was like, wow, this was actually the right thing to do. So, uh, and I talked about it quickly, like five minutes. And then afterwards, literally the whole process went completely smoothly. Um, so um, I think, um, sure, every team needs to find their own way of intervening uh, and interventions. But um, I definitely think that teams can learn this, right? And then uh, summarizing this answer, like it's really creating an awareness about the invisible things that are going on in the room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes total sense. What do you do with a scenario where you ask a person during the check-in, how are you? And you get the mm -hmm. answer, good, and, and you? Do you, <laughs> do you thrill deeper or do you accept the good mm. on the surface? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it, I think there, um, that brings me to the consent question. So a person does not want to share, like, that's fine. You know, like for me, then it means, okay, maybe I have to create more safety. And then the question is what that person need, what does that person need? You know, if that person just never wants to share, like, I mean, for me at a certain level, that's fine. You know, um, I would, to be honest, I wouldn't do much. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like to have a better, like a full strategy, uh, and other people start to tell about how they're doing. And, and also they will mention things that pissed them off, you know, like, Hey, what you said today in that meeting was shit. And, 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 um, so people kind of get a bit envious of other people sharing that. And usually in the next time meeting, we'll just join in. Um, yeah, but, I, but I think it, it, for me, that's really a case to case. I don't know if that helps you if you have someone in mind <laughs> in your team. <laughs> no, that, that helps me. I just see that uh, whenever we have a meeting, especially when mm -hmm. you 
ever meet the first time, mm-hmm. or even you know mm-hmm. you are in a daily stand-up and then you ask, oh, how are you? Yeah. Yes, I'm good. Most people say, mm-hmm. thanks, I'm good, because they are used to react in that yeah. way when they get the question uh, asked, yeah. are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. why I'm wondering if if it would make sense not to accept yeah. the question good. Yeah, gotcha. Point. Yeah, yeah. That is, so that is when it's like in yeah. stand-ups where you have like six to eight people and they they all like say, oh, I'm good. Um, in that particular situation, I think what I would, if I wanted to have some more connection going on between people, I think I would make a bit of a PR speech <laughs> for the mm-hmm. method. So like what are the, the benefits of talking about this, you know? And of course you can just invent general benefits, but like why... Um, why would, what are reasons for them to actually share, share something? You know, mm-hmm. for instance, let's say, um, uh, I don't know, I've like, maybe there are some problems, you know, like maybe there's some problems in the company, like, and you have to, I don't know, outsource certain parts. Let's just make up some example. Um, and then, yeah, you ask, how are you? And people say, good. And you're like, well, I'm, I know I'm not buying it. <laughs> and um, sure, you, you can make like a dedicated space of like, say, okay, let's 20 minutes. I don't know, after our team meeting. And here's the thing. We want to be this company where people um, feel safe enough to share what they're really feeling because I want to take this team serious. I think you guys are like serious people who I want to actually listen to, learn from and work with. So what about we take 20 minutes and everybody shares what they're really thinking, like uncensored truth, you know, and I am just going to listen and I'm not going to criticize i'm just gonna take in you know and 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 so you could so yeah that could be for like a mini pr speech you know mm-hmm. but i mean i would really adapt it um to to what the people want so yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> does that make sense, make sense. Yeah. <laughs> now uh, you see organizations all around the world and also in germany to yeah um, adapt an agile approach to yeah. which means to um, transform to self-organizing teams. Mm-hmm. So employees need to be taught or experience which skills or experience they need to bring to mm. be able to work in a self-organizing team. Or is yeah. it for everyone? Yeah, I'm quite curious what your experience is as well, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> From my personal experience, um, I don't think it's for everybody. As I've said before, I think there's a space for companies and organizations that mainly provide safety. Um, mm-hmm. I feel that um, you know, living in, in a country like Germany where we have a functioning economy right now, <laughs> um, it's, it's a great privilege that, we, that such spaces can be provided. I also think there is a cool space for adventure and and experimentation. Um, So, and that's where I locate these self-organizing teams, you know, like the whole agile philosophy about um, reacting to change quickly, being flexible, throwing out your darlings, like your your little projects and pivoting all the time and not getting too attached to one of them. And I think uh, the skills that people, or like the attitudes more so than skills they need to bring are, Sure, you have to be open to, as I say, kill your darlings. You know, like you have this project and boom, maybe the next day someone finds out that it's not good enough and, and you know, not, not be too attached. That's the first thing. I also think people have to be kind of addicted to growth. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, because I think in self-organizing teams, you really have to be willing to let go of, 
of so many labels around what are the activities that you are doing on a day-to-day basis? What is your job title? Um, And the biggest assumption that people oftentimes join a company with, you also have to look go off and that is the assumption, hey, I'm going to do this job forever. You know, so I think, yeah, you definitely need someone who is very confident in their own skills, uh, who will who will speak up as well, and and who is open to to yeah, uh, and letting go of all those labels and to discussing this with others. You know, mm-hmm. so that's yeah, my that's, experience. But I'm curious yeah, what yours is. <laughs> yeah, I can share my experience as well because we transformed uh, our whole organization within like three months from. <laughs> Yeah, a classical oh, yeah. <laughs> matrix-based organization or hierarchical organization mm-hmm. or self-organized organization with full transparency and virtual teams of 150 freelancers all around the world. Yeah. So there was a huge change. And I thought in the very beginning that I personally would love to work in such an organization mm-hmm. where I'm free, where I'm independent, self-determined, etc. And I assumed that others like this as well. When mm-hmm. I presented them all the benefits that this uh, culture would have, they were all saying, oh, yes, transparency is great. I want to be free to make holidays, vacations whenever I want. If I can determine my own salary, mm. perfect. If I have full responsibility for everything and can control things in my yeah. environment, mm. good thing. But mm. on the other side, mm. in the same way you want to be free and independent, you need to be disciplined, And this is one thing that most people didn't understand. They need to be disciplined and take ownership and responsibility, Mm. not only of their work, but also for themselves. Yes. And it's easier and they are used to get an advice and uh, execute Mm. it. For most people, it's easier and they are used to that. So we are... Yeah, we have this culture still, but now we let people decide more and more if they want to be in a position where they are like a leader, where they Mm. want to be free and independent, self-determined, et cetera, and take responsibility and ownership Mm. themselves and their team. And then we also give other people the opportunity to join a team and be like, yeah, a follower. So Mm. this is very important because, yeah, Mm. as you said, everyone is made to work in such an environment. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And uh, this is something, if some of our listeners in the audience of our podcast <laughs> wants to try that, don't do it in the most radical way. I do <laughs> want to get my experience. I can definitely share it with you. But do it step by step and try to ask people what they really want, not by asking them, do you want freedom? Yes. Uh, do you want uh, self-determination? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but also try to make them aware of what that means as a consequence. Mm. Yeah. having responsibility and the discipline. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Now, to the last question, if there is a startup that was founded like a month ago and they want to build a strong culture yeah. where they attract people that are high performers mm-hmm. that want to work in such a self-determined, yeah. transparent organization, what do you think is the most important thing to start with to build this culture or this DNA? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a very concise answer to this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it's work on the personal development of the founders. Mm -hmm. Why? So one thing I have repeatedly observed when being a management consultant, but also when coaching all these startup teams is 
the personalities of the founders and the founding team, or let's say the bosses, <laughs> will magically diffuse through the whole pyramid. Why? Uh, yes, we all learn don't hire by your own image, but we do. <laughs> and uh, if I am someone who is massively risk averse, someone who loves risk and who will just invest a crazy amount of money in some un untested something, will have, won't have a very strong foothold in my organization if that person even gets hired, <laughs> which is already quite unlikely, I would say. Um, so what I like to say is because the personalities of the founders will trickle down through the organization anyways. I say don't make coincidence be the main trainer of your psychological fit. You know, your aspirations and your fears both will determine where your organization is going to go for and what also what and are the weak points of your organization. So again know yourself and then you can build the organization that you really want the one thing that doesn't work and i see this being done a lot <laughs> is hey let's make a culture workshop let's list <laughs> 10 things that we love and write them on a flip chart and say hey these are our values now but nobody reacts nobody acts according to them And oftentimes the things that end up on that flip chart are the things that everybody knows this organization sucks at, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, let's be more honest in a group of people who are utterly dishonest, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, and uh, let's appreciate each other more, you know, of pe people who are not very appreciative of each other's work because they're all on fear. So um, This is the one thing I think doesn't work, that you write down these values on a flip chart, things that you are actually worst at, and then just decide, we're going to be good at this starting now. Mm -hmm. Nobody lives the rules, and but nobody lives by it. Um, and yeah, for me, this is when people really dissociate from any values and, 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 and the, the, the soul company tries to represent. Mm -hmm. So it's really about the core of the company, which is in the very beginning, the founder organization needs yeah. a strong core and mm -hmm. a major, major personality of the founder and everything else that you just write on the flip chart, which uh, <laughs> agree on scratching on the surface, but not sticking deeper into the real core, right? Yeah, and, uh, kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, maybe, I, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> go for yeah, it. Just go ahead. <laughs> Uh, no, I just wanted to say, I think you can write things on a flip chart, um, but these things should be meaningful. And if uh, they are meaningful, if people lead by example, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, what you can't do is, is write something on a, on a flip chart, like honesty or appreciation or respect, uh, not live by it and expect this to be the company value for some magic reason. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely free. I experienced the same thing. So in the very yeah. beginning when I, started, <laughs> when I started my business, I went through almost everything from mm -hmm. yeah being a weak founder without any experience, just were a programmer and hired mm -hmm. people that were programmers, but I expected them to be a leader in the beginning yeah. of the organization to do project management, whatever. And then I realized that, yeah, It's always my fault. If things go wrong, they always mm. come back to me and to myself. And this is where I need 
where, where the change needs to happen. Only if this this core is strong enough and basically speaking, you know as a mm. founder what you really want, then you can give this spirit and this vision to others so they can yeah. follow it or even just execute it. Yeah. What do you All feel right. is yeah, the sorry. biggest value? What do you feel is like the biggest value that you like to stand up for in your organization? Transparency and honesty. Mm. Those are the, the most most important mm. things for me. I hate when people just hide things and we are talking bullshit around the real core, the real meaning of a problem or a subject and solve it together. Mm. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of yeah success, of course. I like when I have a team around me that really pushes to the limit and tries to achieve something special <laughs> and not just doing the daily work of course there need to be people that just do the daily work otherwise the leaders that mm. cannot push and run uh, for the vision yeah mm. both need to exist but transparency cool. is definitely one thing that is very very important for me yeah and for you yeah also here a lot of ambition for you for us it's um uh, we like to for, for my, it's quite quite similar but we use the word sincerity so mm -hmm. um Uh, yeah, it's, it's sincerity. Um, we also really uh, run on courage. And um, yeah, the last one is quite cheesy. I like to put love on the equation as well. <laughs> we are really like this very lovable <laughs> organization as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, of course, like uh, in the PS, we, we put work hard, party hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I did from, yeah. the, from the very beginning that we always celebrate success. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you will always be in the day to day business and you will never be able to celebrate something because you take it for grant that you have yeah, achieved something. Yeah. And it's, oh, okay, we did that, but we had to do that. So next thing and reach your next goal and nobody's aware mm -hmm. of that we achieve great things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something else that you want to ask me? Um, one question. <laughs> yeah. So one thing I've really wondered I remember when we, we were in the in the uh, speaker's cabin when we had the whole TEDx thing going on and I was like watching your talk from, from afar. <laughs> and I was really, I was listening to your story and found it so, um, the word's not going to sound right, but admirable is maybe the wrong word, but really sort of awe-inspiring when you're talking about how, through how many bumps you have been. And I, I think one question I, I always wanted to ask you is, um, like, for me, it sounds sometimes incredible to, like, go on. And I'm curious, like, what, what's in your head or in your heart or in your gut that you, like, survive all these storms like again and again and again <laughs> i feel yeah. like i want to copy paste that from you and sort of like inject it into my own veins <laughs> yeah my my i have two things in my mind i never never want to give up this is uh, what i stand for from the very beginning never ever give up This is the most important thing. And whenever there is a problem i know okay there is a problem i have to solve it no matter what no matter how mm. And from that point, when I understand what I need to do to solve the problem, that's totally fine for me. I do everything that needs to be done to solve this problem. What is very, very hard for me if I feel helpless 
and I have a situation mm. and I have no idea. <laughs> that was something. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we had, we had yeah. some things in the past, some situations where I realized it's not going in the right way, but I had no idea what to do. And I was cool. just trying and trying and trying and always in my mind, never give up. So mm. at some point, it was fixed. And that mm. gave me the experience that whenever you want to reach something and you make it your most important attitude to never give up, you, you will succeed. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but at mm. the end, you will succeed. Mm. So why do you do this when, when you feel helpless, just out of curiosity? I, so, okay, when I, when I feel helpless and I tried too much, then I'm mm -hmm. always very, very deeply involved and emotionally attached. I understand I will not find the solution. Mm -hmm. so then I go to sports mm -hmm. and I try to be very, very exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that really helps. Be very exhausted and yeah. then you see things from outer perspective. And that usually helps yeah. either to understand mm -hmm. I personally, mm -hmm. I'm not able yeah. to solve the problem by myself. So I need to ask somebody else to request help yeah. or I just understand, okay, I need to try different things. And from an outer perspective, it's most likely easier to understand which options you have and then pick one and go for it. Mm. But these are the yeah. mechanisms that I have developed because I understand when my body is completely exhausted, my mind works better and less. <laughs> <attached>. <laughs> That's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Interesting strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it works for me personally. Does not uh, necessarily mean that it works for everyone, but it's worth trying. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Then it was a very exciting talk. Thanks a lot for your time. It was very inspiring for myself as well. Same. Same. And uh, just let us know where people can find you on social media or online. Yeah. So online we are www.thearctraining.org and Arc with a C. <laughs> and on YouTube we are the Arc Tribe. Um, we have our own YouTube channel. Facebook, you will find us uh, if you Google my mind and the Arc. Yeah, and I guess generally just Google my name, Astrid Schrader. You probably well, there's like Arc stuff all over my profile, so it's hard to miss. <laughs> So yeah, and we are very chatty, so we love to get in touch with people. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not so hard to get in touch. No, 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 not at all. Oh, perfect. Not at and all. I hope that some people will yeah. make their way to you if they need good coaching or want to develop their personality yeah. for being a great founder. Then thanks yeah. a lot for joining us and yeah, have a good day. Cool. Same, same. So have a wonderful rest of the day too. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank our guest Astrid Schrader for joining us today. You can find out more about Astrid on our LinkedIn page that is linked in the show notes. You can subscribe to The Virtual Frontier or leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you want to learn more about virtual teams as a service, visit flashhub.io. On behalf of the team here at FlashHub, I'd like to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.